Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now let's let's get started. So a very warm welcome to the star of this particular show is Reading FC legend Dylan Kerr. So Dylan, how are you? I'm very, very well. It's, can't believe it's 28 degrees in sunny Manxborough. It's the first time I've been home when it's actually not pissing down with rain and uh, blowing a northeasterly off the, off the um, east coast. So no, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like the weather in South Africa, isn't it? And you came back on Monday, didn't you? I came back on Monday. Um, I came back for a reason to sort yeah. all my personal stuff out and um, try and try and uh, you know get my life in order because it's been on standstill for three years. Yeah. Uh, and like, I'm unfortunately I'm only back for two weeks. Yeah. And uh, I've, the last two days I've been putting all my life in bits and bobs together. And today I put half of it in storage tomorrow. I'm going to put the rest of it in storage. And that's all yeah. my Reading memorabilia. Today, Mark, honestly, I have got my man of the matches from, you know, from two seasons at Reading and, I've, and, and they're still in mint condition. All the crystal glasses and right. my player of the year, Cantalabra, was brilliant. Yeah, excellent. So, listen, I want to say from myself and from everyone else that's on the call, I'm sure, huge congratulations for keeping Morocco Swallows mm-hmm. up. I know it meant a lot to you. They they were bottom of the table, weren't they, when you took over in December? So, how are you feeling about what you achieved? What does it mean to you, Mark? I mean, I, I did it three times before with Barocca, with Black Leopards, and with the TTM. Um, but this one was extra special because of the circumstances that I was under. Because um, the club had over budgeted, and and basically they uh, they screwed themselves big time with payments. And players were getting half salaries every month. And I'll give you an instance. The second, the second final game against Cape Town All Stars on the 11th of uh, June, we were flying to Cape Town on the 10th, and the players wouldn't go on the plane until they got paid. And we lost two-one. You know, and so we went into the last game on the 15th against Tubbs, and it was win or bust. You know, and I said to the players, look, whatever you do, you know, just don't think about the football club. Think about yourselves. 
you know, because it was important and, and we, 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 we knew we weren't going to win in the way that we wanted to win, but we had to win. So it's basically, it's like, and, and this is no disrespect to, uh, Leighton Orient playing against Man United. It, it was one of them games. We were Man United. We were playing against Leighton Orient. They wanted it more than we did. Uh, but I had to get the players to just play, play for the futures. We won one nil. We thoroughly deserved the win. Um, but yeah, it was tough. It was very, very tough. But you know, it, it, it's it's what I was there to do, saving from relegation. Yeah. Uh, and again, I'm proud that I did it. Yeah, and, and we've got uh, quite a few Reading fans on the call. So let's take you back to your time at Reading. Uh, so I'm going to do a little introduction, give people a summary. Most people will will know a lot of this already, of course. But you were signed from Leeds by Mark McGee in the summer of '93. Uh, you went on to make a hundred, more than a hundred appearances at left back for Reading over the next three years. You scored five goals and you were part of the Division Two title winning team in the 93-94 season, of course. And you won the Player of the Season award that season. And then, of course, you were part of the side that went so close to going straight up into the Premiership the following season. Actually finished second, but didn't go up automatically because of the restructure. Yeah, and we all remember that season very well. And it's fair to say that you really embrace life not just as a Reading player, but as a Reading resident as well. And we know you have some uh, really good stories to tell about three of your favourite friends in Reading, namely Utopia, Valbons, and Curtains Farm. So I'm sure we come to that in a bit. Uh, and then, of course, you went on to play for a, a few other clubs, including Kilmarnock. And then you went into management. You've won plenty of trophies. You've kept sides up, uh, including uh, Morocco Swallows. You've done really well in South Africa. So well done again for that. And my first question for you, Dylan, is can you remember and tell us a bit about how your move from Leeds to Reading came about? Because I think Gordon Strachan was involved in some way, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, I've actually spoken to Huddersfield. And I think it was the Ian Johnson was the manager. And when I went to meet him, it, obviously because I'm from Yorkshire, it was it was kind of um, an ideal thing to go from um, maybe forty miles to to train at Huddersfield. So I kept I kept staying at home. But then Gordon Strachan said to me, "Look, Mark McGee wants to speak to you." And I phoned Billy A, who was the Blackpool manager. Who I played on loan for three months. And Billy I said to me, go and speak to him and sign for them. And when I spoke to Colin Lee, I met, sorry, when I spoke to Mark McGee and I met Colin Lee and I met a, a guy called Martin Diener that used to have the complex at Coombe Park. Um, and I had to phone Rusfield and, 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 and tell Ian Ross, no, it was Ian Ross, um, that I wasn't going to sign. And he wasn't happy because you know, we'd obviously agreed terms and conditions and everything. But I just when I when I when I walked in Coombe Park and I listened to Mark's and Colin's vision for the club, remember I didn't know anybody at Reading. I didn't know, you know, I've never been to Reading then. Um but when I went to Coombe Park and I saw the facilities and I listened to Mark and Colin, I thought, yeah, that that's the club I'm gonna sign. And and the thing that a lot of people might not know is when you sign for Reading, you got a signing on fee. And my signing on fee was £10,000. 
And I'm not a gambler, but I went into Coral and we were 33 to 1 to get promoted, not win the league. So I don't know what odds we were to, to win the league. And because I'm not a gambler, I actually fancied them odds because I met Phil Parkinson, I met Andy Gray, I met Kevin Dillon, I met, uh, um, who else did I meet that day? Well, Scotty Taylor. And I actually liked the vibe and, you know, it was a no-brainer. So I went back and it's one of the best, best decisions I've ever made. And Gordon Strachan told me I'd spent four years at Leeds and never played a, I, I played a, a handful of games. I couldn't gain the team for, for, uh, Gary Speed, God rest his soul, Tony DeRigo, Jim Beglin. And he said, look, you need to go and play. And, you know, if it wasn't for Gordon Strachan, and Mark McGee, I want to come, but I'm glad I did. Uh, and we all know you had your own song at Reading. Can you remind us all of how your song goes? Dylan Kerr, my lord, Dylan Kerr. Dylan Kerr, my lord, Dylan Kerr. Dylan Kerr, my lord, Dylan Kerr. Oh, Lord, Dylan Kerr. I can't do it with both hands because I've got, I'm yeah, old. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, look, Dylan, uh, I'm going to bring in some of the fans now because uh, we've we've got quite a few fans who want to ask you some questions. And we're going to start with, with Union Carr, who I know back from Reading College days. Um, so that's a very long time ago. Union looks pretty much the same. And <laughs> he's actually got hair. I haven't. But his, yeah. his, hair, I, was bit, his hair was a bit darker back in those days. <laughs> but um, Union's got two questions for you. So... Um, Union, what's your first question for Dylan, please? Hi, Dylan. You're right. I'm good, my friend. How are you? Uh, yeah, very good, thank you. Um, so, just a, a quick question around you winning Player of the Season '93, '94, because you kind of won that, beating some homegrown people like Ad Williams, Scott Taylor, Stuart Lovell, Jimmy Quinn scored all those goals. So, yeah, it's just about your feelings around that and who was your you know, player of your time at the club over those two seasons? Who would you say was player of uh, of that period? Well, the first thing is, like, Quinny hates me. Quinny, Quinny <laughs> should have... Yeah, Quinny should have... You know, he, he, yeah. we, we wouldn't have got promoted. But remember, um, well, a lot of people, un- unless you've listened to uh, Mark's podcast, um, Quinny... Quinny did something in training that was yeah. like, you know, with Scotty Taylor. Yeah. We we actually had a meeting, you know, because the, the Mark McGee and Colin Lee wanted him out of the club, you know, and, and it was Kevin Dillon that said, look, we, we actually need him. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter what he did. Uh, you know, it was wrong. I mean, listen, to be fair, everyone, everybody wanted to kick Scotty Taylor because he was annoying. You know, but that, but that, that one day when he nutmegged Quinny and turned around and laughed at him, Quinny weren't going to take, Quinny weren't going to take that. I mean, he's an experienced pro. Scotty was a young boy. Um, but Quinny, Quinny, sorry about that noise in the back, in the garden. Um, Quinny, Quinny should have got the player of the year, but you know, I, I actually, to be fair, everything came down the left hand side with me, Jiltsy and Archie Lovell and Quinny. Would score the goals, so uh, it was a great honour to be voted yep. of the year. But Quinny, Quinny deserved it just because of his goal ratio. I mean, he was a great finisher. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. 
from your second question, now I can't pick anybody out because yes. everybody at that football club did a job for the football club. And because of the, the, the way we were as a, as a family, you can't say, well, Archie Lovell did this and James Lambert didn't play much, but mm. he was part of the squad. Yeah. Ray mm. Anderson, Andy Williams, you know, Jeff Hopkins, Keith McFerrin. I mean, I can tell you, we, we were a, we were a unit. We were, we were characters. And that's what, what made it so special at Reading. Yeah. All right, you know, we're, we're going to move on now to, you've got um, another question later on and obviously yeah. your, your son, if he, if he makes yeah. it as well. Um, next up, we've got Roger Ware, who's been a Reading fan for almost 72 years, I think, isn't it, Roger? What's your, what's your question for Dylan? And remember to turn your mute on, off rather. Turn the mic on, that's better. Dylan, hi. Um, listen, done a, done a bit of homework today um, and looking down, I didn't realise you were actually born in Malta. Uh, yeah. It says here in Wikipedia. Um, did you ever think about playing for them? Because Dennis Allen, back in the 60s, did just that. He was a Reading player, um, found out he could have played for Malta by birth and did just that. He played for Malta. Well, Roger, thank you. For, uh, listen, it's good to see you, Paul. Um, no, it was. Um, I got. I actually got asked when I was at Leeds United, but the coach at the time was German, and he didn't like English players. He didn't. He didn't think British players were any good, and it, it never materialised because of that situation. So I did get asked to play for by the federation, but then I was told that the German coach wasn't interested in English players, so it kind of like. Never happened, but I wish it. I wish it. Well, yeah. no regret. So I don't live it. So it never happened. So I don't know what could have been. Yeah, I mean, it would have been nice, I guess, to play international football, wouldn't it? And you'd think that they're not overburdened for class players there either. No, but I mean, it was like, you know, look, coaches have different, you know, they, they, they work with different personalities and different players. You know, I remember. In 2010, obviously I was in South Africa in 2010, and I was uh, David Pleat was was living in one of my best friends from Scotland, um, and he and he said David Pleat said I I wanted to sign Dylan, you know, because he's got probably the sweetest left foot he knew about, but it just never materialised, and you know when he was at Tottenham, imagine you know. Where what might have happened if I'd have gone there, but it, it never happened. And yes, when you play international football, it's always a pleasure. It's always amazing. But you know, whether I always wanted to play for England, Malta was an opportunity, but it just never happened. And and it came from the coach because it was German, and you know, yeah, his choice. We spoke about that on the podcast, didn't we, Dylan? I remember that. And uh, yeah, it's a shame in a way, isn't it? But uh, obviously, life deals you different hands, and it's down to chance and circumstance. I've got uh, got another fan to bring in now, Steve. Steve Rocker, uh, what's your question for Dylan, Steve? Okay, I'm obviously going to be asking you about. Hi, Dylan. Sorry, Steve. Um, like the third, I'll let you put the jersey on. Of course, yeah. Um, my my question is ninety three, ninety four, and it's to do with I think it was the last game of the season down at Bournemouth. Um, like most people, I went down there 
And um, the performance, I've got to say, was um, interesting, to say the least. And um, I think you you were all still legless on the pitch. Is that true? What can you tell me about it? No, no, but I'll be honestly, we we weren't. We obviously it was Quinny's. It was Quinny. Me and Quinny had a big fight in the dressing room because I I actually cost the game. All right. You know, and Quinny's never Quinny's never forgiven me with that because you know I like to play football. I didn't like to kick it down the line, and I didn't I didn't oh. want to just boot it up the field. And I remember playing the play Jules. And he got cut out and they scored. And, and Quinny's never forgiven me for that because it I was Quinny's it former well. club. Quinny, Quinny wanted to... Yeah, don't, don't remind me. But I, it, <laughs> it, it happened. I mean, but you think sometimes when, when in that situation, you know, you always did what you thought Quinn, uh, sorry, Jiltsy did. Jiltsy used to run by. He just used to run. I used to play Jiltsy in, in behind the fullbacks. Mm. But this time, he didn't. He, he he stayed he, he stayed wide. He didn't run behind. Mm-hmm. So I, I decided to play. See, he got put out, and we we lost the game. And it was my fault. And collectively, it wasn't my fault because we were all in it together. But we 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 went there to win the game, you know. And and Quinny went there to win the game. But unfortunately, I you know I fucked up. But I didn't fuck up really. It was just the way that we played. But we never we we were fine. We went there to win the game. It just it was just one of those games. But we'd won the league. You know, we were already promoted. So yeah. there is didn't, it did matter, but it didn't matter. The only the only person it mattered to was Quinny. You know, and and I, I understand why because they released him and he wanted yeah. some prove, and 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 still to this day he always reminds me of that. Which you know, <laughs> Dylan, Dylan, I think. I think I'm going to uh, going to go back to Steve's question. He actually wanted to know if the players were still a bit legless from celebrating. I think that was yeah. No, we went. No, we went. Okay, we, okay. We right. went. We, we were Steve. We were fine. We were we were still going to do the same thing. We still wanted to win the game, you know. And yeah. you know, when 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 you look you, when you look back at it, Steve, we 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 played the way we played. The whole season. Remember, in, in, back in the day, there was no mobile phones, there was no CCTV, there was no. We did things that you could not imagine, and we played, and we won games. So that one game, it, it, it was it, we, we we still did the same thing we did week in week out. And I remember Simon Osborne in one of the podcasts said, you know, when we went to Lanzarote, um, Quinny and Jordy changed that, and maybe maybe that that that. Didn't get us promoted that year when, when yeah. we went to the Bolton. Yeah. So no, we we, yeah. we were all committed. We were always committed. It was just it was just one of those things. I think Dylan, I'm, I'm gonna gonna predict that that you'll get at least one question about um about the Bolton game. I was at that game. I'm sure uh, mm-hmm. one or two others on the call were. But I'm gonna come to Andy Lawrence now. Andy, what's your question for Dylan? Hello, um, Andy. My question is: um, What is your biggest your biggest achievement, and why? In football, yes. Winning winning my first championship medal with Reading as a player, and that's not because I'm here. That's the truth. 
I was at Leeds United and I only played a bit part in their uh, Division One uh, promotion and the uh, sorry the Division Two promotion and the D- Division One, the now Premier League uh, Championship. Um, but I'd only played a bit part, even though people don't understand you were there. You were part of the squad. You were the one that drove uh, the club to to be successful. But the biggest achievement. And, and this is, and I say, this is not because I'm on the Reading, uh, podcast or the Reading, uh, question and answers. Reading, it was that, that, that championship medal meant the world to me. That meant, that promotion team meant the world to me. And it still does. And I'm still talking to all the players every single week. I still, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I, I I'm still in contact with probably 80% of the players. And Jeff Hopkins uh, messaged me to, uh, yesterday and he said, fantastic, you've kept your team up. And that's like, what, 25, 27 years ago. Yeah. And uh, we, we thanks for your, your question there, Andy. Good good question. And we've, we've got uh, Stuart now. Uh, Stuart knows Dylan very well, so this could be an interesting question. What, what's your question, Stuart? Oh, firstly, I would just like to say that he says exactly the same thing to the Kilmarnock supporters when they ask him what his greatest achievement up here. So don't you don't buy into that whatsoever. It's all it's all Scottish Cup up here unless he's just taking the piss out of us. Um, I didn't really have a question, but my interest was piqued when you said that you walked into bookies was ten grand. How much did you bet on you getting promoted that year? I shit myself. Dobber. No. He, 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 I didn't know the club mauler. I didn't know what ready football club were. I knew what Mark McGee had promised. I knew what Billy Air had told me that Reading have got a very, very good chance. Now imagine three, 33 to one, you know, and you don't know, you don't know what the makeup is of, of the team is. But you didn't even put a tenor on. No, I didn't even put a tenor on. <laughs> didn't even put a tenor on. I was like, I got 10 grand. I got 10 grand signing on fee. And how long did that last you? What was that a good week? Was that a good weekend in Reading? About ten grand was it? Uh, no, there was there was only two pubs in Reading, and there's one nightclub, and that that didn't that didn't open until like later that year. With the ten grand that you invested? Uh, no, no, the the what the nightclub? <laughs> ah, yeah. So serious question for the guy: Who was the best when you in that uh, league winning year? Who was the best player you played against that year? Um, oh crikey, that's a good question. Played against Mola. That's the worst question you can ask. I mean, it's like you know, nineteen ninety. Trust me, trust me. But what we've been through—that's not the worst question I could ask. No. Oh, he's frozen. Frozen. He's chucked it. He's gone. Look at that. On purpose. He's done that on purpose. His bottles crashed there completely. Hopefully, hopefully he'll come back. We we had this a few times in South Africa, and he he said it was because of power cuts and things like that, but. It's the same thing. He, he didn't like your question, did he? No, he didn't. It's because he's still using a BlackBerry from 1995 that you're not getting a good connection. It's got to be what he spent the 10 grand on. Uh, yeah, it is. He's my, it's easily, it's his BlackBerry. It's my BlackBerry. All right. We thought we'd lost you there, Dylan. Glad you're oh. back. Well, look, thanks for that, Stuart. Uh, no, sorry, on you go. Thank you. We'll come, we'll come back to you later because I'm sure you've got a bit more insight into, into Dylan. Um, Dylan, we've got a question for you now uh, from David Andrews. David, what's your question for Dylan, please? Hi, Dylan, mate. How are you doing? Hello, David. I'm good, sir. How are you? 
I'm good, thank you. It's it's nice to finally talk to you rather than on Facebook. Uh, well, um, please go. <laughs> anyway, um, when I was growing up, I always remember your goal against Stoke City at Elm Park, that curler right in the top corner. Have you got, is that your favourite ever goal you've scored or have you got any others that you would class as your favourite goal in the famous blue and white hoops? Well, the, my first one was Plymouth, right? Remember I was playing right back. And, you know, that, that was special because that's when I did, that's when I did this, that I did that celebration, right? <laughs> you know, so, and I don't know why I did that celebration. I'm just like, I was, that was my first premier professional league goal. You know, it doesn't matter what league it was in. That was my first professional league goal. And <clears throat> the Stoke City one was just, I actually, if you look back and you listen to it on YouTube, I did a bad one too with uh, Archie. And all the crowd were going, ooh. And then Parky mullered the kid. It broke to me again. And I played the one-two with Archie and I just smacked it in the top corner. But then I got the free kick at Norwich, the free kick at um, Sunderland. And they're all special because they all had a different meaning. They all had a different... You know, perspective. It's every single goal I scored at Reading mattered. All right. Well, thanks for your question, David. Um, I I remember, and anyone who hasn't seen that goal, it is available on YouTube, and it is pretty much as described. So uh, it's worth watching if you haven't seen it. So I'm going to come now to uh, my 1871 co-host, Johnny Hunt. Johnny, have you got a question for Dylan? Hello, mate. How are you? I'm good, my little that Irish friend. How are you? Good, mate. Can I borrow your hair dye, first of all? Listen, this is real. It's no dye. <laughs> you need hair dye. You need hair. <laughs> True. Um, listen, mate, congratulations on staying up again. Absolutely brilliant job. Thank you very much. Honestly, Johnny, you, I, I wish I could, I could write a book on the problems that, that I have to deal with to do this. But, you know... Um, What's your hair? Yeah, no, not colouring my hair, <laughs> keeping people in the team. <laughs> my hair's natural, thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this way, I'll ask you this question because I've already gone. When you played for us back in the days, who was the one player that you went, oh, they should have done better, went on to have had a better career from our team? Scotty Taylor, James Lambert, uh, um, uh, Lee Barkas, unfortunately got injured. Um, Archie, obviously, um, from a from a youngster point of view, and yeah, them four. You know, I, it was. I mean, James Lambert was propelled into into football yeah. at age, and 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 everybody. The expectation was very high. Archie was was just um, a Jimmy Quinn, but shorter version. Uh, Lee Barkus, when I joined. He was he was probably one of the best influential midfielders, but he was he had a back problem that never got that never got fixed. And you know, it was it, 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 Ozzy went to Simon Osborne was a dream to play with. I love Ozzy. I love Ozzy. Mm. Kevin Dillon was arrogant, ignorant, but what a player. Parky was a gem. Mickey Goodin was just like on a different level. But the young players that didn't have that opportunity. Scotty Taylor. Scotty Taylor was a dream. 
you know, it was annoying. It was a, an annoying team, but what a player! Yeah. What? And he, he obviously went to Wolves. I think it was was it Wolves? Uh, yes, Leicester. Leicester. And and it just it never happened for him. But he went there because he just he, he, you know Scotty could just do things that you know right wingers. Um, he reminded me of, of an older Steve. Steve Coppel, a younger Gordon Hill, um, and he could do things with the ball that you know it was just so basic, yeah. knocking them across the ball. But um, Phil Parkinson, I think he was the, he was the he was the he was the diamond in the team. Everything yeah. worked, Parkin, you know, and uh, it was just like I said, it was a pleasure to work with these players. You know, we, we were all nobodies. We we're all. Uh, Joe Average, we were there were no big hitters in there. I think Quinny was probably the most recognised player in the squad and in the team, and everybody else was just a bit a wee bit part player. But we made we 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 you know came together and and we became you know a, a very 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 good squad of players. Shaka, Shaka. I mean, who would have imagined Shakir Islop coming from Trinidad Tobago being a keeper that went on to win the freedom of Newcastle last month? <laughs> what the fuck? Shakir Islop? Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, I'm waiting for my call from the mayor of Reading. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to... Kim Arnock, maybe. No, I've got no chance of Kilmarnock. Oh, Marlborough. Marlborough's got more chance of getting freedom of Kilmarnock. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for your question, Johnny. Good to see you again. Um, now, we've got James Earnshaw from the Reading Chronicle on the call. So, your question, James, um, I imagine there's a chance of a headline out of this one, but over to you. You all right, Dylan? Hello, James. No, thanks for your pride, by the way. No, nah, no, nah, don't worry. Um, so, obviously, you've alluded to sort of the issues that you've had to deal with as a manager. So, what attracts managers to jobs? And sort of what attracted you to your last job? I love my job, you know. Um, it, my life's been around football since I was 12 years old and being told you're not good enough and being told you never, ever be a footballer. And when I went to Scotland and played for Kilmarnock and I applied for jobs at the SFA and Stuart Mall will, will, will you know, recognise this. You know, I was never good enough. I was never good enough for the Scottish FA until... I got a, an opportunity to go to Argyle and Butte. Now, Argyle and Butte is the the nearest town is probably an hour, an hour and a half away from the nearest village. And I only got the job because I was the only one that would do that. I was single, and and I wanted to I wanted to impress the Scottish FA, and. I was there for four years and I'll, and, and I'm telling the truth now, it's the best job I've ever, ever done. The people I met, the people in Auburn, Tyree, uh, Collinsy, Cole, uh, Tinnebruick, uh, Mull, uh, Tobermory. I mean, I can go all around the Scottish islands of Argyll and Butte and Helensborough and Danoon, Campbelltown. I mean, it used to take me, it used to take me five hours to drive from Troon to get a boat, to drive all the way around to Campbelltown. And that's why I invited Stuart Mall to do it, because 
you know, he he was a good guy to get involved with that. No, I, I was no, I was just closer. I think you're fine. I just not closer. Not really. You were about an hour away. To be fair, I mean, we we, we stayed at a bed and breakfast. And sorry, James, we'll go through a story. We stayed at a bed and breakfast. I mean, it, it was it was amazing. I've never met Mola in my life. I said, Mola, come to Campbelltown. Let's go and have a Tynebruik. Mola, come on, James. Sorry, I've got to. We've got to tell this story at Tynebruik. Tyner Bruick is right on the Kyles of Butte, and it's on. Is, is it? Is it a Clyde? I don't know if that's the Clyde. I don't think that's the Clyde. I think it's too far from the Clyde. Tyner Bruick from from Danoon, you have to travel about an hour, you know, and and it's up and down. I mean, it's it's the most amazing village on the lock, and we did a we did a training session. More go on, I'll let you you can tell the story. This is brilliant. This is brilliant. Honestly, it's it's the tiniest wee village ever, and uh, the only facility they had was a shinty pitch, which was huge. But it was on an it was on an angle. It was on a wee it was on a wee hill, and it had been pissing down, raining. And I'd been there all week, and Dylan just appears for the glory at the end. And all <laughs> week they've been saying to me, "Can we jump in the puddles? Can we jump in the puddles?" And I'm like, "No, you're not going anywhere near the puddles because your parents will kill me." I've gone in for a pee, and I've cut. Ca- and I've come back, and he is encouraging them now to do diving headers while they dive, while they are skidding through four puddles and trying to head the ball, having the time of their life. I said to him, have you even checked if there's any stones in that water? He's like, no, we don't, we don't do that. But the, I swear to God, the kids had the time of their life, and they were just... They ripped the piss out of me the next day because I'd said for four days, you're not allowed to do this. The big man's like, yeah, get in the puddles. Whoa, ahead of this ball. So I, I slaughtered him for years until I looked at the Leeds documentary that he did. And I'm looking at him talking about the Leeds documentary. And was it Howard Wilkinson had done the same, exact same drill with you guys when yeah. you were at Leeds? Um, so, yeah, that's that's just what we did for, for four years. Um, I, I said one thing and he did the other. Yeah. <laughs> No, it was, but James, it was like, you know, it, you know, it, it's it's something I've always dreamed of, and something I've always done. It's something I've always tried to prove people wrong, and try to, you know, never give up. I've never given up, and I'm still never going to give up of being the dream of being the Man United manager one day, or oh, for more like Glasgow Rangers. Because if I was a Celtic, he wouldn't talk to me. All right. Cheers, Dylan. Thanks for your question, James. Um, so I've got a few questions from fans who were unable to join the call, but they wanted to ask you some questions, James. Alex Blissett, who you know, uh, he says, what was your best ever Reading performance and why? Oh, he's, are we there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Did you hear that? Yeah. No, sorry, I didn't hear that. What's the question? What was uh, Alex Blissett says? What was your best Reading performance and why? Uh, Plymouth Argyle away because I played right back. I was a left back. Remember, we signed Ray Wallace on loan, and Mark McGee didn't fancy him. And I played right back, and I scored my first goal for Reading. That was the best performance. Um, yeah, that was my best performance. All right, and then we've also got questions from two more. Um, from the Blissett family. So we've got Alfie Blissett. Uh, he says, what was the worst tackle you ever received while you were playing for Reading? Um, I can't remember his name now, but it was Tramia. Tony, I think it was Tony Tom Thomas. 
Terry Tom- Tony Thomas. Terry Thomas was the comedian and actor. Tony uh, Tony Thomas or Tony Toms from Tramway when he when he ruined my career or tried to ruin my career when I when I ruptured my hamstring. Um, and the the worst thing about that, Mark, I was supposed to sign for Norwich the next day. That was the worst thing, you know. And everything happens for a reason in life, but. You know, if, if Parky had never passed me that ball back from a short corner, I don't know what might have happened. So, yeah, so that was the worst one. You know, <laughs> I mean, it was a bad injury, a very bad injury. And then what about um, at Leeds? Because I know that David Batty had quite a reputation, didn't he? he did he put any tackles in on you? My first training session, and I was only there, I was only there training. I wasn't even on trial. I was there keeping fit because I was supposed to sign for Kaiser Chiefs. Uh, I just wanted to keep myself fit over Christmas and New Year. Bat nearly broke me in half. And he said, and, 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 but that was Dave Batty. He did it to everybody. You know, it was, uh, it was a bad one, but, but that was Dave Batty. So, you know, I've got a, I've got a scar down my shin, uh, from one of the, the best players, best midfielders and the hardest tacklers, aka Billy Bremner and Norman Hunter type of, uh, Footballers, so I'm quite happy to have that skin, uh, that scar on my shin. And, and talking of your legs, you've got tattoos to mark all your achievements, and your latest one is is the swallows tattoo. Are you able well, to uh, contort yourself to show us, or is that a bit tricky? Look, uh, are we are we on video? Hang on, yeah, we're so, on video. Right, so so hang on, let me get let me get this door it's away from the So these are the ones that I've had. Obviously, there's a ready one. There's a ready one. Yeah, right? the old badge. Yeah. So all these are from kind of, you know, obviously this is one of the swallows, one of the latest one. Um, I've got the Leeds one. I've got the Kilmarnock tattoo. I've got the Barocca one. I've now got the DSTV Compact Cup, which I want. There's the Leeds one. My first one in 1986 in Arcadia when I left Sheffield Wednesday. Um, but that one's a beauty. That was the beauty. There you go. There it is. That's the one we wanted to see. All right. Well, thanks for that. Um, so Lily Blissett, she wants to know who was the best right winger you ever played against while you were playing for Reading? Tony, Tony Rougier. He gave me an absolute torrid. And Jimmy Quinn and Mickey Gooding didn't play me after that for about four games. Um, he, he was. Um, we lost 4-0. But I blame Jiltsy because Jiltsy wasn't... He, he was supposed to give me cover. He was supposed to give me support. Jiltsy just decided to, to, like, hang me to dry. So I'm blaming Jiltsy for that, by the way. All right. Uh, and Tony Regia, who obviously played for Reading as well. Yeah. Oh, he was brilliant, Mark. Brilliant. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he absolutely gave me, a, he gave me a hiding. But then, like I say, if, you, if your left midfielder doesn't give you any support to stop the supply... And you've got a guy that can run like, you know, a whippet. No, you've got no chance. But he was a guest on the podcast. And obviously we had to ask him about his bizarre own goal where it came off his backside or whatever it was in the playoff final against Walsall, I think, wasn't it? So we asked him about that when he was a guest. Um, I've got another question for you, Dylan, from Sarah James. Sarah says, would you like to be Reading manager one day? Oh God, I would love to be ready manager one day, but it'll never happen. It'll never happen. You know? Why won't it happen? Why won't it ever happen? 
Um, I'm not recognised as as you know a success in 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 the UK as I am in Africa, and the the other issue is the the the, the people that are involved with with Reading Football Club actually run Reading Football Club from an agent's point of view. So um, unless you know I'm part of that you know picture that Reading have, you know me and myself. You know, Brian McDermott, Kevin Dillon, you know, even Shaka Hislop would never, Parky, Parky would never get a, an opportunity. And, and it's, and it's, it, it, it's the way football is now. It's the way football is now. But I would love to, I would love, I'd actually walk, I would actually walk the, uh, the, the length of Africa, swim over the Mediterranean and actually swim up the Thames, stop off yeah. at Pankhurst. Have a beer and then walk to Reading, and uh, you know, love to do that. But you know that that's it. That's a dream, and that's maybe. You know, maybe I'm never going to give up. I'm never. I'll never give up that opportunity, uh, that dream. But no, I don't think it's going to happen. Unfortunately, maybe, maybe one day. Um, I'm going to come to you now, Union. Is Jamie on the call? You know, no, Jamie, Jamie's not on the call. He's come back from football practice, a bit tired and a bit okay. injured. So. Oh, do you want to ask his question yeah. for him then? It's pissed. Yeah. The question he sort of asked was about your professional debut when you, your very first professional game, um, what you remember of it, how you prepared for it and that sort of thing. Is that at Leeds or at Reading? Um, your first professional game, so it'd be at Leeds, yeah. So you're a young lad and you got got your opportunity and away you go. What was the memories? I was out pished. I was out drinking. I was, I was, I was, it was against Brighton and Old Albion at home. And I wasn't, I wasn't in the squad. Remember, there's only a squad of 13. Yeah. Um, And as always, on a Friday night, I would go out drinking with my friends. And I remember coming over the bridge in Swinton and I was I was walking to a nightclub, and it was in 1988. No, yeah, no, 1989. Uh, I'd just signed for Leeds. I'd only been there a month, and my mother was stood on the top of the bridge in a dressing gown and slippers. It was like about 11 o'clock at night, and I'm walking to the nightclub with my friends. And she said, "Listen, how Wilkinson's phone? You, you're you're in the you're in the you're, you're in the squad tomorrow." And I ran, I ran home. Um, I think it was about five five miles, maybe a bit more. And I phoned the gaffer up. I phoned Howard up and I'm like, <sighs> I said, gaffer, I've been at my grandma's and she hasn't got a phone. And he says, listen, you know, you're on the bench tomorrow. And I was like, oh, thank you very much. And I had an absolute great game. A great game. We, we drew 1-1. I came off the bench. I made my debut. And yeah, it was like, it was like... Mm-hmm. Even my mother on the bridge in a in a dressing gown and her slippers was weird, um, but yeah, I uh, I made my debut and I haven't yeah. told I I hope Howard Wilkinson never hears this because that was the one. Uh, and yeah, you, and, um, Jamie, has Jamie got a second question that you want to ask on his behalf? Um, yeah, there was a second question. Um, how do you how did you go about recovering from your injury? You know the the disappointment that you cope with it and getting through it all. Oh. It was horrible. I mean, I remember when when uh, when I was on the bench and uh, half time, and Quinnis p- 
poked his head round the head round the corner and he went, That's your move, fuck to Norwich. I went, excuse me. He said, Oh, we told you to remember because the previous game we we played Norwich and I scored the free mm-hmm. kick. Um I came off the bench and scored the free mm-hmm. kick. And he, and Quinny put his head round the corner and went, That's fucked your Norwich career up. And I went, What do you mean? He says, Oh, uh, Gary Megson wanted to sign you. And I went, I just I was just speechless. My leg was like black and blue. Um, but it took me 18, well, it took me a year to get um, back into running because I couldn't mm-hmm. run. I, ru- I ruptured the entire hamstring muscle, which was never heard of. The only people that rupture hamstring muscles are American footballers and weightlifters. Mm-hmm. You know? And and the, 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 the surgeon was Graham, I can't remember his name now, and it was his first ever... Uh, hamstring reconstruction but every hamstring reconstruction since then has been a success because of what he did to me oh. so it was it was a very very tough experience and mm-hmm. I, I went to Rotherham on trial after I'd left Le- Reading and then I went to Kilmarnock and it, it, my, my debut was on the 7th of December against Dundee United against one of the trickiest midfielders ex-Reading mm-hmm. player Andy McLaren and oh, after yeah. After the game, when the whistle was, I, I was like Pope John Paul. I kissed the ground. It was just like you know, eighteen months of pure, happiness, you know, because I was told I would never play again. Yeah, you know, it was unheard of. of, of uh, an hamstring. If you can imagine when you go to when you get a chicken, you, you, you pull it apart, and it goes. That was my hamstring. No. Yeah, Dylan, I've I've got a question yeah. for you. Um, about so you, you won player of the season, Reading won the title, um, and then a great a great season after that you finished second, but of course it gets to the, the playoff final, you had the trip to Lanzarote, um, and then uh tell us about how you found out that you weren't not only gonna be in the team, but you weren't even in the squad for the playoff final against Bolton. How did you find out? Oh, imagine your childhood dream as a footballer to play at Wembley, you know, and, and old Wembley, not new Wembley, old Wembley. And I knew I wasn't part of it from the Premier game, um, sorry, the Bolton game in the, in, in the league game when we won 2-1. And when we played in the Premier game, um, both home and away, I wasn't involved. And everybody was suited and booted. It was a great occasion. And I knew I wasn't going to play. I knew I wasn't going to play. I mean, they went from uh, 4-4-2 to 3-5-2. Uh, because they, Quinny and Jordy decided that David Lee was going to be too quick and they needed Jiltsy to, to which, 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 which was fine. Which was fine. That's a football decision. I don't mind that. But uh, Jordy, Jordy didn't mention the squad or the team. And then he said to me, so you and he said to me, you're not playing. You may as well go, go to the bar and get fished. And I was just like, ah, it's, it's, it's something you never, you know, you'll never forget. And I did. I went to the bar and got absolutely hammered. But the next day, I was probably the biggest supporter of that team, you know, uh, apart from the football fans. I was the biggest fan and I was the biggest supporter of that team on the bench. Um, knowing that I wasn't playing, knowing that I wasn't going to make my probably childhood dream of playing at Wembley Stadium. 
Right, so Dylan, these uh, these lovely people have now been on this call for more than an hour. So uh, I just wanted to ask you, because they, they joined early to make sure we're all here for when you arrived. Um, so thanks, everyone, for, for doing that. Um, Dylan, have you got time for one more question? And if you say yes, I kind of have to let everyone answer. So it'll be another te- sort of about 10 questions, I think. Yeah, you happy, you happy yeah. with that? Yeah, of course. All right. So, uh, Yunan, um, yourself and Jamie, do you want to ask um, one question for yourself and one for Jamie? Yeah. Um, my question is, like, Dylan, you were, were playing for Reading between 93 and 96, which is a great era for music. So apart from Come By Ya, the <laughs> song typifies that era for you and that memory of living in Reading and... I don't know if I can conjure up that sort of Britpop era, but I know you, you've got a very proud taste in music, which, you know, I'm impressed by. I know Mark and Heaven 17 and all those memories, but it was a bit, bit of a different era then. It were, but I mean, remember, we, this is the thing that people have to understand, right? Now you can't, you can't do what you, we used to do back in 93, 94, 95, 96. Yeah. We were in Utopia every Tuesday night. And it didn't. It, we had a, an eclectic mix yeah. of. And I remember there was a there was a there was the guy that sing uh, things can only get better that did an appearance at uh, Utopia, and I, I always remember that song, you know. Yeah. But the, the one song that resonates with me is "You're the Best Thing," you know, by the same guy, you know. And, and I'm an eighties idiot. I'm an eighties, you yeah. know, fan. And, you know, but them two songs, because he, he performed at Utopia. And what we did as a team, we went there together. We went there together. We went to Washington Heights. We went to Valbons. We went together. We went to the casino together. We went to TGI, TGI Fridays together. There was nobody. The only people that didn't come were Quinny and uh, Tom Jones because they lived in Swindon. But everybody else was there. You know, and, yeah. and and we 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 actually gave a lot of people in Reading that like kind of respect because we were we were we were drinking with them, we were we were talking to them. Nobody ignored them. Nobody thought we were, nobody were bigger and better than anybody. Um, but in Utopia, you know, that, I think them them two songs for me, you know, obviously, you know, things can only get better was bigger than you're the best thing, but it was there. D D Reem. That's it. That's it. That's it. Um, Stuart, I know Stuart, you need to go. Do you want to ask your question before you go, or do you have to go now? No, I need to boost. Uh, just when are you coming home, big man up here? Uh, let me know, and we'll see you. To everybody else, thank you so much for allowing me to be part of this. Thanks, it's Stuart. Been, Good to see been, you. It's been great listening to all the Reading stories. He uh, was a seventies man, never an eighties man. Great. All right. Give us a bell, big stab, and I'll see you soon. I will do. I will do, my friend. Right. Take care, sir. Thank you, everybody. Bye now. Still punching. Of course I'm still punching. One of us has got to be. One of us has got to be, son. Cheerio now. Bye. So, Yunan, do you want to ask Jamie's next question? Uh, Let me... Yeah. Um, Yeah. There's another one from me, I think. Um, I, I went to see you play the Kilmarnock because my grandmother was in care up there. And it, um, Jim McIntyre played 
with yeah. you and he came down to Reading and he scored that game against Motherwell. But yeah, I stood on the stand. It's very similar to Southbank. You know, I don't know if it's the East or West, but it was very similar atmosphere and types of people. Yeah. But, I, you know, putting you on the spot, you're always going to say Reading was the best. But, um, you know, what was the funniest thing you ever heard come out of anyone's mouth in the Southbank or Tarlist End or any of the banter that went on? Uh, can I swear? You're a cunt. Yeah, I mean, yeah, my my son's in the other room, but yeah. That, that was it, you're a cunt, you're a ginger cunt. I mean, <laughs> that, that was it. But, you know, the the thing is like, you, you know, when when, when Matt Riley and, and Jimmy McIntyre went to Reading and Andy yeah. McFarland went to Reading, yeah. they, were, they were good players, you know. Yeah. And it didn't work, especially for Matt mm. Riley. It didn't work, but it, it was the environment, you know, that they, they'd grown up in and they'd come from you know, the Scottish Premiership to, yeah. to the English Championship. It was like a different environment. And had they given me, had, had all of them been given the right time, you know, Mark Riley was like Phil Parkinson, a wee bit smaller. Jimmy yeah. McIntyre in Scotland was Jimmy Quinn. You know, yeah. Andy was Scotty Taylor, Mike Jules, uh, Michael Jules. It just didn't happen. You know, that. Yeah. that's what happened. Excuse me. That's what happened in football. It's, it's when I came to Reading. When I came to Reading, I was I was an unknown. And Mark McGee listened to Gordon Strachan, and I became this. You know, I was fascinated with Elm Park. I was fascinated with Coombe Park, mm-hmm. and I was I was in awe of all these players like Tom Jones, Kevin Dillon, Ray Ranson, uh, Jeff Hopkins, Keith McPherson, Michael Jones. <laughs> They were names. They were when 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 I came, I added that final piece that jigsaw. Mm. Simon Osborne added that final piece mm. that jigsaw, and and we didn't need to change much of it. You know, Mark McGee, Mark McGee made the biggest fucking mistake ever. Absolutely. But but money and you know fame and whatever he, whatever was going through his mind, you know. Yes, Wolves. Leicester was a big club. Wolves were a big club. He could, he could have actually, if he'd have stayed at Reading, I think he would have probably been at Man United now. You know, yeah. without because he, him and Alex Ferguson were like that. Mm-hmm. But he made that choice. He made that choice. He made the wrong choice, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it typified when we played Wolves that 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 season that we were never we we, we were never we were the hardest team to get beat. In that league that year, yeah. uh, but you know, you know what life's like. You know what players like. And you know, what, uh, yeah. you know they want to move on to bigger, better things. But if yeah. you're honest, I've 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 learned from Howard Wilkinson. You only go to the best teams if you if they have the same mentality and the same belief that you do. Mm-hmm. All right, I've got a question. Yeah. I'm going to try and get through these questions quite uh, a little bit quicker than first time around. So. Thanks for that, Union. Um, Roger, have you got another question you want to ask Dylan? Roger, are you there? That's it. Got to unmute it now. Yeah, well, uh, yeah Dylan, are you, are you going to go back to Africa or are you going to give it a go over here now? I, I've tried. I've tried. I applied for the Dundee job. I applied for the Barnsley job, the Doncaster job. Um, I'm actually speaking to Lofty, Tom Watt, uh, who's a big fan of Cheltenham because he lives in Cheltenham. Um, and uh, you know, if they, uh, I'm very, very good friends with the chairman at Bristol Rovers, but they've just got promoted 
you know, last last season. Roger, I, I, I don't think I'm going to get that opportunity. I'll never give up. I will never give up. But the, 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 you need to be in the system. You need to be in the, the, the you need to know an agent that's got a pull mm. with the chairman. Uh, that's the problem. That's been the problem with Reading Football Club. It's well known. You know, the, the chairman and the club don't appoint the managers. The agent appoints the managers because the manager brings the player's agent in. Uh, and that's, that's the thing that's wrong with football now. You know, how can a chairman run a club and let somebody else who brings in his own people that fails year in, year out, and they, and they still rely on him to bring the next coach who's going to bring the next bunch of failures and the next bunch of players that are not good enough to wear the Reading jersey or any jersey. Um, it's, it's Howard Wilkinson used to do his due diligence and, 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 and market the players that he thought that could do a job for him, that could promote his club. And he did it with Sheffield Wednesday and he did it with Leeds United twice. And he made these clubs back to the, 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 the stature that they, they, they deserved. But now it's like it's like a lottery, and it's, it's the same in Africa. It's the same in Africa, you know. You, you, um, Dylan, you've got options elsewhere, haven't you? It's not just in Africa. You've you've got um, uh, you've you've got at least one option somewhere else. I think it, uh, if you're happy to sort of say yeah. Is. Do I stay in professional football or do I go and teach kids in America? You know, that that's the option I've got. You know, do I want to be happy at 55 years old? And live in Arizona and teach kids. So I don't want to still strive and want to be a, 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 a an English football coach. I I always believe in what I've always been taught. Believe in yourself and have no regrets. You know, and that and that's why that's why I live. I've always been told I'm not good enough. I've always been told I'll never be a footballer. I've always been told by the Scottish FA I will never coach football. And and. I've proved them wrong, and I'm going to still prove them wrong. But you know, it's uh, the, if the Reading job comes up or any other job comes up, I will still apply. But you've got no chance. Uh, and a question next from from Steve. Steve, have you got another question that you'd like to ask Dylan? Yeah, I want to uh, talk talk briefly about the centre backs in our team. Dubcheck. Darius Dubcek, Williams, A.D. Williams, Jeff Hopkins, Keith McPherson. Yeah. Um, they're all really, really good top players. Um, who's the best? Well, you, you've got Keith McPherson was a captain who was always steady. You've got A.D. Williams who was, you know, always the, the playing kind. Jeff Hopkins used to kill you. And Darius Dubček was just a dream. You yeah. know, Darius Dubček was just a dream. But the, the, I'm, I'm not going to, I can't, I can't, I will never, you know. Um, Pick. I'll, no, yeah. I, will never, I will never, you, you've got to understand when, when Quinny and Jordy came to the club, the dynamics changed of the club. You know, mm. and, and, you know, they didn't like players, they, did, they didn't like me. You know, they, I wasn't their player. Darius wasn't their player. You know, Darius Dovchek was probably, you know, the most calmest, influential defender uh, when he came to Reading. But then you've got a personality. If the personality clashes with the, with the, with the management, 
it's, it's mm-hmm. very very difficult. My personality clashed with the management, and that's why I never played. You know, because I was outspoken. So was Darius. AD mm-hmm. was uh, Keith McPherson was quiet. Jeff Hopkins was the hardest man in football. You know, the first five aside pick Jeff Hopkins. You mm-hmm. know, and AD Williams was was such a young um, inspiration player. You know, he, he just he just looked after himself and. Obviously, when Ray Ranson came, when I came, and then Andy Burnell came, him and Jeff were were vying for the for the right back spot. Um, Stephen Swales came as as kind mm. of a threat to me, and a, and and then I knew what happened when when Paul Boarding came. I knew that my time was done. Mm. You know, you know, we, we we all know the Swindon connection. Uh, yeah. But from a centre-back point of view, you know, the Keith McPherson was a dream. He, he was a leader, you know. Yeah. And Aidy AD Williams, you know, was just a dream, a dream young boy to play with. But Darius Jovtek, wow, what a player. What a player. But all four of them. All, all four of them did a job. And you know, Andy, Andy, have you got another question? Do you want to ask Dylan? I did have, but I think Roger... Um, asked um, um, I forgot now. So sorry. Um, <laughs> I've had a strike, so sometimes, um, um, sometimes I just forget. But um, Roger asked that what I, what I was going to ask if you were going to um, go back to South Africa, or, or if you were going to stay, um, or if you were going to coach over here. So, is there anything else that you'd like to ask Dylan about, Andy? Um, who, who was the best manager that that you played under? Um, Howard Wilkinson gave me my um, inspiration to be a coach. Mark McGee wasn't wasn't the best coach, but he was a good management man manager. Colin Lee, Colin Lee was brilliant. Bobby mm-hmm. Williams at Kilmarnock was just. A player's coach, and I mean they 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 all had their little, you know, the the little bit of inspiration between them. But Howard Wilkinson inspired me to become who I became, you know. And uh, but the, the but the fact that Gordon Strachan, you know, believed in that I could do a job for Reading Football Club, and mm-hmm. told Mark McGee to sign me, mm-hmm. Mike Lewis and. Um, I can't remember his name now at Leeds United. Um, oh God, it's going to kill me. But Mike Lewis and um, the, the 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 CEO at Leeds at the time, they were arguing because it was hundred thousand, it was fifty thousand, and settled on seventy five thousand. Um, it was it was a no brainer, and I said, you know, I could have stayed at home in Yorkshire, but I made the transition to come to Reading. My one, I don't live on regrets, Andy, but the one regret is I met my wife in Reading and I shouldn't have met my, my wife in Reading. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that's for a whole episode, isn't it, Dylan? I think that one. Yeah, there you go. All right, David, have you got a question? David, are you still here? Sorry, yeah. Sorry, right. I was trying to unmute myself. Um, yeah, uh, I was just going to ask, really, growing up, as a youngster, who was your inspiration to become, to sort of go into football and um, 
want to be a professional well, player? Without being like, you know, you know, obviously my dad. But, you know, I was, I was, my dad used to take me to Leeds and I used to play, I used to watch Leeds. So it was obviously it was Billy Brebner, it was uh, Peter Lorimer, it was uh, Johnny Giles. And I was in that area because my dad was a Leeds fan. Then I became a Man United fan. So it was Gordon Hill, uh, Steve Koppel, Lou Macari. And, and, and then obviously the, there was Ronnie Glavin who used to play for Barnsley when, when I used to watch Barnsley. Um, a guy called Ian Banks, who had the most amazing right foot you could ever dream, but he played for Barnes, he didn't play for any big team. And I just I just remember as a young kid watching Charlie George when I was four years old uh, and had long ginger hair. My granddad said, you know, you're going to be a football player. And I'm like, why? He says, you, you look like Charlie George. 1971, I was four years old, Leeds versus Arsenal. Um, so, yeah, they they were kind of... Obviously, the usual George Best and uh, people like that. But no, it was like the local clubs that I'd, I'd, I'd like supported. There was a right winger at Red, Red Rotherham called Tony Towner. And I used to watch him and Don Casarovas, Glyn Snodding, Ian Snodding. A, um, a centre forward called Colin Douglas, who actually inspired me to be the person I am because he used to go out every night clubbing, drinking and come to work in his suit and his tie and still play and still train the way he did, you know, and, 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 and Billy Bremner just used to let him go away because he used to score goals. Every game he scored goals. I never, I never let Reading down as a footballer. I never let, let Reading down as a football fan. And I'm, I'm, I'm honoured that I'm doing this programme and I'm doing this podcast because of what Reading fans have given me and I've given them. And, and, and I love that. I love that, that I'm back home in Mexborough instead of South Africa having this conversation. Can I just say one last thing? Sure. And you, you say it about the you know, connection between yourself, the fans, and I want to thank you very much for all you've done for the club and for the fans, but also for providing my brother who runs the South Bank Royals on Instagram, yeah. all the, all the like sort of old memorabilia and that he was telling me how you provided it. And it's, there's some amazing stuff there. So I thank you for doing that. Um, you're a true gent and always will be a legend at this football club. Thank you. But I've got, I'm, I'm, I'm sorting out my life in boxes here. So there's going to be lots more pictures and I've got all my Reading shirts out today, so I'm going to take loads of pictures, and it's going to be it's going to be posted. Don't worry to the South Bank. So, no, thank you very um, much. I, I, I love this. You know, it's it's this is what this is what football is all about. You know, engaging with the fans. Imagine, you know, Paul Pogba doing this. Not a chance. <laughs> uh, we'd rather speak to you, Dylan. Um, Johnny, have you got another question for Dylan? If you mate, I could talk to Dylan all night. You're an absolute star, you really are. You know that. Like you, you know me about you've been so supportive about mental health and football over the last few years. Like how what advice would you give as a coach, player to to anyone to look out for themselves? You know, you you've been through the mill as a coach. Players go through the mill, contracts, no contracts. What what would you say? Talk to people. Talk to people. You know, the, the, the worst thing in life is 
you know, being alone. I, I, I've been alone since 2002. You know, I sacrificed my life for football. And sometimes you have the, the, the highs. A lot of times you have the lows. But you have to talk to people. You have to speak to people. You have to, I mean, I just recently read that Joy Beecham um, committed yeah. suicide. I mean, yeah, you know, yesterday I found out that the, the, the lady that rents my mum's house, my former, my, my, my mum's house, she, she was 28 years old and she, she topped herself two weeks ago. I didn't know the lady. I was there this morning at my mum's house and I felt, I felt an emptiness. But my next door neighbour, who I've known for like 40 years, I, I just spoke to him. It's about talking. It's about, mm not hiding behind a, a, a veil that thinks that you, you, you've got problems and you can't discuss it. You know, you can't talk about it. And going out and, and meeting people and, 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 and trying to relate to people is very, very difficult now uh, because nobody understands what you're going through. But if you don't tell people, you know, how are you, how are you going to get help? And, I will. I mean, I was like I said, I was in the township last week with uh, with um, eight, sixty, seventy, eighty year old people that haven't got a, a, an issue in life, and and you, 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 Johnny, you won't see where they live. Well, I, can, I saw the pictures, mate. Unbelievable. Oh, that, that that's a nice bit. That's the nice bit. It's the, it's the bar, but they've still got outside toilets. There's still twenty people to a garage that live in 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 Utah. And and they've got issues that you wouldn't imagine, but they they talk, they talk, they 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 they, they don't hide everything. Yeah. So um, is that a culture thing, Dylan? Do you think like in a different culture, uh, different world? They, 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 they've got nothing. They've never had nothing, so they never expect anything. You know, they just they just deal with life. But the the the, the enormity of how people. Uh, 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 presumed to be, you know, you, you, everybody, everybody, everybody thinks you've got something, you know, that, that's successful, something that's, you know, an, an adventure, but they, they haven't, you know, I speak to a lot of people, especially young kids. I mean, there's 37 million under 18s, uh, 18, sorry, 18 year old, 19 year old, 20 year old unemployed in South Africa that steal, that do drugs. And, and I actually go out and say, listen, you know, go and find something. Go and do something. Don't just just think. Well, let let's blame the government. Let's blame life. You know, just go and do something. But I, I engage with them, Johnny. I engage with them oh, because you do, mate. You're need that. They need that. They need Don't that. Change, mate. Really, because you're you do you do you're so genuine. It really means the world to a lot of people. Thank you. Like yeah. I said, Johnny, it's 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 it's, it's like you know. Like for the past three years, I have, I have, I, I live with myself. You know, I, I do like a drink. I do like a beer. I don't, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm just, I just like to watch football with a beer. I'm, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a self person. I don't, I don't have to socialize when I'm doing my job. But when I'm at my job, I need people around me so I can talk, so I can engage, so I can, you know, feel a sense of, I'm, being one of them, being a part of them, 
you know, and they've got bigger issues than me. And it's not about money. It's not about fame. It's not about, it's about life. Mm. It's about, you know, one of my, I, I met one of my best friend's sons today. I haven't seen him for like maybe eight years. His father hung himself because he didn't want to talk about it. He didn't want to talk about his anguish. He didn't want to, and he, and he thought the best way to escape was, was to hang himself. And he did it. And the, the worst thing is, the tree that he did it on, we can still see the, the, the marks that he was trying to get out. Yeah. He knew the, what he wanted to do, but when he did it, the, 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 the marks on his feet and his fingers, but it was too late. He couldn't do it, you know? And, and th- that's something I have to carry on me because he knew I was coming back to England but because I wanted to surprise my mother, I never told him. Yeah. So in that, if I told him two weeks before, it would have still been here. But I was being selfish because I wanted to surprise my mum. I'd not seen my mum in four years. And my mum... was fault though, mate, as well. Don't, don't carry the blame. No, I don't. But, but I remember, Johnny, I remember he sent, me, he sent me an email. And I was coming back from Vietnam. And he says, oh, I want to come over and see you. And I said, yeah, listen, I'm going to come home in the next couple of weeks. And I knew I was coming home. I knew I was coming home. But I didn't, because he's got a gob, he, did, he would have told my mother. You know, it was, a, it was a no-brainer. And because I knew him, I, I couldn't tell him. And he says, I miss you, buddy. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to blah, blah, blah. And I, I, was, I, was, I wanted to tell him, but I didn't. And then two weeks later... He did what he did. You couldn't have known, no, presumably, did you, you, you had no idea he was thinking like that. No, I didn't. And no, no. That's the problem, isn't it? We don't know. We just don't yeah. know. Right. Johnny, I know, I know we're going, I know we're going on, and, 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 and I'm going to tell you, his son told me today the scenario, right? His son was 14, 15, right? And, and he went from Mexborough to Swinton with his son, right? So they went one, two, three, four pubs. Right, he he said, "I'm going home now, but I've got to go and see my young boy. He just had a kid." He went home, and his son said, "Good night, Dad. I'll see you tomorrow." He went. He didn't go to his son. He went home, and he put a he put a belt round the back of the door, and he hung himself. Right, and the next day when he went to see his dad, he couldn't get in the door, so. And he couldn't phone him. And he and, and imagine a 16, 15, 16 year old kid seeing his dad, you know, and it, it, it's like, and, I, and, and, and he, I mean, 10 years later, he's still cut up about it. You know, you can see it in his eyes. And he's asked, you've got to move on. His dad didn't do that, you know, for you. He did it for himself, you know, and, and I still feel part of that because I should have told him what's coming home. Whether he had made a blind different difference, I don't know. But you've got to talk to people. You've got to go out and say, listen, I'm struggling. And, and, and don't tell your best friend because they will just bullshit you. They'll say this. Tell somebody that can give you an, an objective opinion. Tell somebody that will be honest with you and say, listen, no, don't do that. There's, there's bigger and better, you know, yeah. but that's, that's me. That's, that's how I see it, you know. Yeah. Thanks, Dylan. Thanks for that. I've got what, one more person on the call. If you're still here, James, have you got another question? 
So yeah, my question seems a bit daft after that sort of Sorry. deep conversation. Sorry. But uh, uh, if you could relive sort of any sort of ninety minutes in a game, what one would you choose to relive? Um, when Quinny put that goal in, what what goal did we win the league against? Can't remember now. Uh, when he when he headed it in the in the in the top top corner, when I scored against uh, Plymouth Argyle, when Brighton was Brighton when. Uh, when Quinny scored that and all the fans came on, yeah. when uh, I made my debut against Huddersfield Town, who I should have signed for, and we beat them 3-0, and Steve Francis was in goal. Um, you know, when 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 Mickey Gooding, you know, went through, uh, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think he's the midfielder at um, bloody hell, uh, Millwall, when, when he got sent off because I played the wrong pass to him. There were so many games that you 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 just have a you just have a, a a thought about you know and and that's what that's what cares about Reading Football Club at the time you know we we were we were never under scrutiny we were never we we had a we had a we had a we had a gift of enjoying football and that's what Reading Football Club need to do now enjoy football. You know, the, the, you've got a chairman that spent billions on Reading Football Club. He needs to take ownership of Reading Football Club and bring back that kind of spirit. All right, Dylan, because uh, your alarm's Cheers, just Dylan. gone off, what I'm going to do, and thanks for your question, James. Um, I've got a few more questions, so a couple of fans want to ask you some questions, but we're going to do it like a, a quick fire thing. So just, just think of what comes off the top of your head. And uh, and we'll go from there. So Sarah, um, Sarah would like to know. Uh, she just said, "Could I ask you something about Mark McGee?" So you talked a little bit of, about him as a manager, and you said he was a good man manager. What was it that made him a good man manager? Um, he let Colin Lee do the training, you know, and he, he looked after the players. But he, he was he was he was always the last pick in the five side because nobody wanted to pick him. They, they called him Shinner because every time he took a touch, he came off his shin and he went to the opposition. So he, he liked his five sides, and but no, it was always the last pick. But he was a good man manager. He 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 was brought up by Alex Ferguson, and you know you can either be a coach or a manager, and he was a good manager. Man manager. He he pointed fingers. He pointed fingers, and he told you what he thought. All right. Next question is another question from Alex. He wants to know. Um, which Reading player was the best dancer at Utopia? Oh, God. Me? <laughs> I thought you might say that. <laughs> Me? Right. Uwe Artenberger thought he was a good dancer, but he was a King's Cross and dance. Uwe Artenberger, every, every week, three times a week, was in King's Cross. I don't know why. Well, I do know why, but I can't go into that. Right. Um, but yeah, me. I was the best dancer oh, in Utopia. Fair enough. Fair Jill- enough. Chelsea claims that he could dance, but no. Right. Yeah. Well, I uh, I was going to ask you about Utopia, but you've you've kind of covered that. That was every Tuesday night, wasn't it? And we know you you enjoyed yourself there. But I I want to kind of finish off um, by asking you. Actually, you mentioned about some of the experiences with other people, you know. But actually, you um, during your time at Reading, you had a, a really nasty car accident, and in some ways, you you were lucky to survive it, weren't you? Can you tell us? About that, 
And that's why that's when I, I met my wife and I ended up marrying my wife. Um, yeah, we were, we won a game and we we went to I went to Bracknell to meet Aidy Williams, Scotty Taylor, and I think Archie was there that week that 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 night. And then I went home and I met this girl the previous night in Sindelson Mill. Sorry, the previous week in Sindelson Mill, and I agreed to meet her. And then when I got back to Curtin's Farm. She phoned me up and said, look, I want to come and stay at Curtin's Farm. And I drove home. I drove from Curtin's Farm to Mortimer, which is in the country lanes. And when I drove back, um, a car came up and I lost control and I hit the car. And luckily, I didn't hit it head on. If I'd have hit it head on, we wouldn't be having this conversation now. We'd have both been dead. And, you know, I did it for one reason. And that reason was you know, to, to, to be with a girl that I shouldn't have been with. And I ended up marrying her, you know. So um, I was very, very fortunate. We both we both survived. Uh, but it taught me a, a, a good life lesson, you know. Uh, don't do it. Don't, don't let that think apart from that thing. So um, uh, any regrets? No regrets. But one regret, don't, don't drink and drive. Never drink and drive. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Dylan. I the the fight. I was going to ask you about what are your plans now, but I think Roger asked the question earlier, so we've heard a little bit about that. But what what else do you want to say? Was there anything that that you wanted to talk about that you haven't talked about? Is there anything that you want to say to the Reading fans to to finish well, up with? I'm 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 absolutely you know astounded by this. I, I just you know, there's there's so many platforms that you, you you don't you're not able to talk about. You know, the 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 life that we had as as kind of just average players. We were honest. We were we were real players. We 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 the 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 beauty of when I signed for Reading, we went to the is it the White Horse in Pangbourne, um, and I always remember I'd only been there like two weeks, and it was like pre-season. And the rule was nobody left, nobody left. And we went there from 11 o'clock. And I think we left at probably 11 o'clock because the pub shut at 11 that in, back in the day. And we all stayed. And, and that's when I knew that this club was going to win the league, you know, and uh, people don't know this, you know, Shaka Hislop never drank and he got absolutely steamed out of his head and he loved it. And he, and he became, you know, Shaq Aislaw, uh, Kevin Dillon, he lived in Pangbourne, he lived on Coomer State, um, and, and he, he, he only had to walk home. Mickey Gooding, the same, uh, drank at Pangbourne Workingmen's Club. We had a, we had a, uh, a connection of honest, genuine, hardworking people. Um, Tom Jones couldn't get in the team because of Kevin Dillon and Phil Parkinson. Um, you know, it, it was like Michael Jilts was Michael Jilts. Me and Jiltsy had such a good relationship. Even the best Premier League teams now, you know, you, 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 they haven't got that. You know, they haven't got that. And it's it's kind of like everybody's now an individual. You know, there's there's not there's not that that you know connection that we had at Reading. And I made a big decision to leave Yorkshire to go down to Berkshire, and it, it was the best decision I ever made. The injury kind of fucked up my career because you know 
had I known that I was going to sign for Norwich, I wouldn't have played that game against Tranmere. And who knows where I'd, where I'd have gone. I might not be sat here having this conversation now. You know, um, I wouldn't have been in South Africa because I wouldn't have had this conversation now. Uh, because, it, you know, life life is, is swings and roundabouts, as they say in Scotland. Uh, but them, them two years um, at Reading Football Club, and I'm not saying this because I'm, 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 I'm on this. They made me as a person, they made me as a player, and they made me as a supporter of the football club. You know, and I said, I'm honoured, I'm, I'm blessed that I'm actually doing this. I mean, Mark, when you suggested this, I'm like, wow, you know, this is this, even the podcast that we've been doing, it's all about genuine, genuine nativity and it's all about honesty. You know, and what I'm saying is, is it's not bullshit, it's the truth. And people need to know that because without fans, football's not football. All right, Dylan. Well, I just want to say a massive thank you for joining us. Congratulations again. Uh, long may your success con- continue. But we all really appreciate you being on this. And, and thanks to everyone who's joined the, the call. So, um, yeah, great to have you all on, us, uh, on, on with us. And um, hope you all enjoyed it. And Dylan, hope you enjoyed it as well. Mark, can I ask you, right, Roger's there looking, Roger's there looking very pensive. Roger, what was your, what was your, what was Andy? And then Andy, so what was your memory of them two, three years when we, when, what, 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 what made you think, well, this is a good team? I think, I mean, I, I come from an era, as Mark said early on in the show, um, first watched them in 1950, uh, watched the team. And uh, through the years, I was on the Chronicle for, 12 years and during that time we never went anywhere we went down a couple of times up once and that was about it never did anything and it was only really about the late 80s and where you were there mid 90s that the club really began to to mean something and uh, I mean it meant something obviously along the way to to a lot of people but it was at that time that the club you thought well yeah maybe they are going to go somewhere now and um, certainly the I mean the Wembley thing that was a real uh, choker for you, I bet, not playing in that. Um, but it was a choker of a game as well, wasn't it? I still get quite angry thinking about that Bolton game. Um, not least because I still think... and I don't know, You were sat on the sidelines. My bugbear about that game was one that Jason McAteer didn't get sent off for chopping Gilksy because he'd already been booked. And he was running around like a headless chicken that day, McAteer. Uh, and also on the... I think it was their fourth goal, um, De Freitas, and he's, he's hit the post. He's gone on the ground, and I'm absolutely certain he pulled the ball round with his hand and then got up and knocked it in the net. And the only one who appealed, I think, was A.D. Williams. And I think Shaka later um, said that yeah, he thought it might have been iffy as well. But I thought at the time, I thought, well, he, he's dragged that round with his arm. And, yeah. All right, I suppose it, you know, it was, but what a choker that day was. Um, Roger, for me, right, and remember, I was sat on the bench and I was like, I was actually off the bench more than Phil Horner. (laughs) I was on the sideline because I was like, I didn't think we were going to lose that game, right? But for me, and and I'm doing this as a coach now, for me, when Lee Nogan came off, that that, that killed us because then Alan Stubbs and Jason McAteer decided that, you know, that, that they, them two were the danger. And when Nogs was on, he stopped Stubbsy. 
And once you stop Stubbsy, Jacob, Jason McAtee is not involved. Then Quinny, Quinny came on. Obviously, if Quinny had been playing, he'd have, he'd have scored that penalty. Um, but when Quinny came on, um, he didn't, he didn't track back, uh, Stubbsy. So when Stubbs came into midfield, that dragged everybody in and that gave Jason McAteer. That's from me sitting on the sidelines, not being pissed off. That, that was me genuinely being, you know, observant of the game. And it, you know, whatever, you know, if Archie had scored that goal, game over. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, it was like, had Quinny not been on the bench, and you had another runner on the bench, um, then then maybe I think I think the result. But, but don't don't get me wrong. I'm not criticising the, the decision that they made. But from from a football perspective, when Lee Nogan came off, that that gave Bolton that opportunity because Stubbsy didn't do nothing in the first half. Mm. Second half, he him and he, he ran the show. Yeah. He ran. It was like a Darius Dovecheck. You know, could play, but that's my opinion. You know, and yeah. that's a football. Andy, Andy Bernal got hurt as well, didn't you think? As I remember, yeah. yes. But I mean, it's like the 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 one for me was when when Nobbs came off mm. the campaign, and you know, you you just think, well, you know, if he'd have stayed on, Alan Stubbs wouldn't have been in the in in the game. It wasn't, yeah. but he came out and and he 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 brought the game to to for Bolton. And that gave McAteer and De Freitas and uh, what's the Scottish guy? Is it Coyle? No. No, I think Coyle. Was it Coyle? McGinley. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah, so he's not Scottish. He, he coached in Scotland. <laughs> he, he, that, that's how they came into the game. Whether Archie had missed the penalty or not, without, without Stubbsy, they wouldn't have won that game. Mm. For me. And that's me watching the game as a, as a footballer. Yeah. I'm not sure Archie ever recovered from that, did he? I think he, he probably still relives that now. I think when they went up to the Premier League, it was a bit of a relief for him, wasn't it? But look, Dylan, yeah. I, I just want to finish off with, with this. I just want to say, you know, it's been great to know you all these all these years, and, and <clears> thanks <throat> thanks for doing the two podcasts because we did the other one with Tom Watt, didn't we? Before and really enjoyed that. Some some great people we spoke to there. Um, and uh, yeah, just thanks for for doing the 1871 podcast. Been great to speak to you. And look, let me know where you are and how long you're here. And and I'll you know even if I have to come up to Mexborough, I'll come and see you, mate. Brilliant, brilliant. No, thank you to everybody that's been on the show, and thank you for you for for introducing the football fans to the real Reading FC. You know. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Dylan. All right. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.